0: He's good. He's faithful. Um, His arm is not too short that it cannot save. God is not silent and God will not be mocked. So God will not be mocked by his people or by those who are not his. God has revealed himself throughout all of human history so as to say, I am who I say I am. I do what I said I will do, and I will not be mocked. I'm going to show myself strong and mighty on behalf of the prayers and obediences of my people. I'm going to reveal my glory. Right? I'm going to proclaim my great name in every nation under heaven. Wow. Every nation under heaven will hear this gospel. That's the promise of God. Paul speaks that that's his longing and desire and his calling was that this gospel would be proclaimed in every nation under heaven and that there's no other name given among men by which we must be saved. But but the name of Jesus, we see the first century church demonstrating the one who died and descended into the abyss, the lower parts of the earth. To lead captivity captive to the right hand of the Father and sit down as a man, as a human being, fully God, fully man, and receive the name which is above every name and receive the authority which was meant for Adam and Eve to exhibit throughout all creation and they, they failed but God when they failed promised that He would bring a turn of events and restore that authority to mankind and then he sends forth his son born of a woman the lord jesus christ son of god and son of man and he sends him as what paul calls the last adam to once again take the reins of creation take the reins of authority in heaven and earth and under the earth and the sea the scripture says authority over all things and do continue doing what Adam failed to do and pass it on to a new humanity the church, the children, the sons and daughters, the ecclesia, the spiritual habitation, the kingdom, the priests and kings, on and on and on. What the scripture calls you and I, whether few or many gathered, it's what we are because he said so. And he paid the price to make it so. God is going to reveal His great name in Carmel. God will not be marked in Carmel, Maine. He will not be mocked. He will not be misunderstood by His people any longer. And He will release the spirit of revelation and truth to secure us in His image and likeness. It's Romans chapter 1. His eternal power. His divine nature. His attributes, we will know who God is. Daniel chapter 11, chapter 12, one of my favorite prophecies of the church in the last days. The most conservative scholars agree. Daniel chapter 12, verse 3, right? Those who know their God will do mighty exploits and they will take action. Come on, those are the days we live in. That God will have a church who knows Him by revelation in truth. Not a statistical, factual God who's stoic and far off and doesn't really do these things anymore, but we just agree that that is what he was like, but he's not really like that anymore. No, 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 no. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we're settling this today, few of us, few or many, we're settling these truths before the powers of the air in this region because things have to change. Things will change. There are multitudes in darkness. There are multitudes in dungeons, the scripture calls it. Dungeons, iron bars that need to be divided asunder, shattered. He shatters gates of bronze. Come on. He breaks down the iron bars and he sets and looses humanity free from their dungeons. And the great dilemma was, there's none to deliver. Who's raising their voice for those who are lost, right, in darkness, on their way to an eternity of separation from the Lord Jesus Christ? Who will raise their voice? Who will give their lives for the sake of humanity? Joseph. Who will pay the price to see God be who He says He is? Joseph. Who will lay down their life in cooperation with the progress of the gospel and the establishment of the ecclesia? That we'd no longer be mocked among the nations. Where is their God? Because the nations are saying, Where's, especially ours, where's their God anyway? They'll watch our live stream and taste, where's his, where's their God? Where's the resurrection? Where's the break breakthroughs? And the where is all this? And we see seed for him. But there's more. There's more than a seed. Behold, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sows seed, but it doesn't end, the kingdom doesn't end there. It begins there. And he, he's like a man who goes out sowing seed, casting seed on the soil. And how it grows, he himself does not know. How it grows, he himself does not know. For the soil produces fruit. Of itself listen the soil is fertile in this hour the soils fertile in this land for seed to grow and that seed ultimately is people because Jesus said I'm the capital S seed and unless you do it my way the kingdom ain't coming like you see in here unless you cast your life like a seed to die in the soil of the earth there is no harvest. Pray the Lord of the harvest to raise up laborers. What kind of laborers, Joseph? Think again, Joseph. The, the casual American Christian, church-going, community-serving believer? No, obviously not. Hasn't worked yet. Right? And there's sincere efforts in our nation, but there's more. There's a forsaking of the life of that is of divine priority, and I hear it in my own life, it's echoing in my own life, and in my weakness, I say, I say, yes God, but I say, God, I I can't do this on my own. I'm too earthly. I'm weak. I have the American gospel enterprise in my veins, and I need it extracted. I need to be sanctified by the Spirit. I need to be visited by revelation that would awaken my heart to see how God sees, right? That would enlighten the eyes of my understanding to even see the plan of God, to see the Lord on high at the right hand of the Father like Isaiah saw Him. I need my eyes opened. And there's so much drowsiness in the land because of witchcraft. There's whisperings and mutterings and chantings and curses and you name it that are not silent. They do have effect. They aren't the ultimate authority, but they do have an effect that we are brushing up against in this hour. I believe this. I've had dreams about this over the years. We are brushing up against something in the land that has kept blindness upon believers, weariness, lethargy, fatigue, casuality just I mean nothing ever really changes anyway I don't ever change that much once in a while I get a little breakthrough but I guess that's just the way it is listen it's a delusion over reality we're contending with the God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelieving he's cast a shadow over unbelieving hearts and minds so as to keep them at bay and in darkness And God is releasing a divine light of revelation in the church. And whoever has an ear to hear, Jesus said, hear it. Enter in. If you can hear the teaching of Christ and the apostles, he says, go for it. Jump in. Give your whole life to what you hear. Be careful how you hear. Be careful what you hear, Joseph. Because if you hear rightly, you must respond. You're accountable. You can't just go to church anymore if you hear this gospel. you got to step in. you got to seek me for wisdom and strength to obey me and serve my purpose at all costs. That's serious. I want to turn to Isaiah chapter 8 and 9 real quick. Just because of what's going on here today, I just submitted to Pastor Wesley. Just you know, I don't feel to teach on the Great Commandment this week. <laughs> I want to sp- I want to speak to what's happening, yeah. what we did, what happened this morning. Right. Is that just uh, everyone being intense, mm-hmm. having a, a really cool church service, or is the Spirit moving and is the Spirit speaking and do we have an ear to hear it? Right? Are we uh, Are we observing by the Holy Spirit's help what He's doing and how we can cooperate? I want to observe, right? I've spent enough years just kind of casually looking in upon and, oh, I wonder if I'll ever get to serve God like that, or I wonder if I'll ever be able to experience that in our region. And listen, those questions are fading away. It's you want it, you got it. If you want in on it, if you really want in on it, you're going to shift the trajectory of your whole life to get in on it, right? And it's not some superior Christianity, it's his church. It's far more than superior. It's holy. It's eternal. It's glorious. He's building something in the land. He's building something. I want to look at Isaiah chapter 8, verse 19. We'll start there. And please check into this with me because there's context here that is a snapshot. Over three years ago, I was in a prayer meeting downtown Bangor um, where we launched the house of prayer. And um, I received this word from the Lord. And I've just held on to this for over three years, just but today just kind of tips me into having to share this word. Because we did some of this today, and there's gonna be more of this going on. This is this is this was real, right? In biblical times, and it's real today. These dynamics were occurring in biblical times, and they're occurring today. You read Acts 13, Acts 19. You read Isaiah 8 and 9, and you see the spiritual battle that's being waged over cities and villages and regions. This is real, and we need to think again and order our lives so as to participate and have authority in the land, right? So that we don't just preach about it and pray and fast for it and never see it, but so that so that our lives actually begin to enter in to the DNA of it and we express divine authority and we see breakthrough happen where perhaps a drove of people get saved. I walk the, the Brewer Riverfront at times and in the, the imaging of my mind, I look across the river at the Bangor waterfront stage and all I see is I see the Brewer Riverfront loaded with droves of people because the riverfront's too full to hear the preaching of the gospel from the stage. So people are parking and lining up on the Brewer Riverfront to hear the proclamation of the gospel. Can we believe for something more than we've known thus far? Can we shake the familiar spirit that looms over the church in not just this region, but many other regions, and keeps us doing what was. Keeps us in a former reality that God's wanting to shift us out of. So we think again and see. We shake ourselves from the delusion, right? And we connect ourselves to the future. I want to be connected to the future. I don't want to be lingering in what it's been like. It's over. It's a new day. Behold, right? Isaiah the prophet cries out, Behold. I do a new thing. Will you not be aware of it? He needed his people attentive to his voice and aware of a new season that would require everything. A season of fullness where my partial living won't work anymore. (laughs) Where if I'm showing partiality to a God who shows no partiality, I need to think again. I need to say, God, enlighten my eyes, break the spell off my mind, a delusion over reality and Christianity. God, I don't want to show partiality to you when you withheld nothing from me. Behold, he who spared not his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also freely give us all things along with his son? He showed no partiality. He didn't pinch pennies for me. And I can't pinch pennies any longer, whether financially or just practically speaking in my lifestyle. You reap what you sow, I reap what I sow. He won't be mocked. So let's look at Isaiah chapter 8, verse 19. We'll begin here. This is, Isaiah the prophet is painting a picture of the first coming of Jesus and the culture into which he came. Think about that for a moment. This is an important snapshot. <laughs> he paints a picture of the environment spiritually, number one, and how that spiritual dynamic has created a culture on earth that is bound by it and that Jesus comes into. As the light of the world who would dispel this darkness in the land. Does that make sense? (laughs) Right? Is this what we are? A city on a hill? A light? Right? That cannot be hidden. He's handed this ministry to us. Isaiah chapter 8 verse 19. This is what it says of that generation and the culture that Jesus came into. He says, when the people say, in other words, when the trending of people or culture is going in this direction that he's going to tell us about, right? When the people say, oh, well, consult the mediums and the spiritists and those who whisper and mutter. It's witchcraft, right? It's false Spirituality. It's a false way of functioning in the realm of the spirit that accesses the powers of the air and demons on the earth. <laughs> it gives way for it to take place, to have influence, right? And God has an answer for it. But here's the question in verse 19. This hit me so hard three years ago because it was at that time I began having dreams about witchcraft in this region. And the most recent dream I've had about it, I've shared with you all, was just less than a couple of years ago, but just about uh, Aetna being a witchcraft capital in Maine. Right? I had a dream with Lou Engel, and I said, don't you know the witchcraft capital's in in Aetna? Don't you know the Crossing Carmel's right there? And he shook his head yes, and he pulls out this victory banner called the Battle of Aetna. Just a snapshot of a promise that we're brushing up against something. And it's okay, it's normal. And it will take perseverance. And then the prophetic word out of Nashville just tipped me into this thing all the more. Not Nashville, um, was it Nashville? No, Chattanooga, Tennessee. They gave a prophetic word about an occultic stronghold in Maine. I mean, they're either just thinking something up, coincidentally, or the Spirit utilized this church to highlight something and confirm something and cause us to move in a particular direction to take action and do exploits. So they, they prophesied this reality that there's an occultic stronghold in Maine and God's going to deal with it. God's going to raise up prophets, prophetic people, who even in that environment like Jesus have divine revelation, insight into the word of God, dreams and visions right access experiential access to show that for what it is to prove its folly <laughs> but the question in isaiah chapter 8 verse 19 he says when the culture's saying this if there's if this stuff's active should not a people consult their god Joseph. Come on. The answer for it begins with divine consultation. Let me talk to God. Let me get into a life of individual and corporate prayer. And let me get into a conversation by the Holy Spirit with the living God and receive dreams and visions and strategy and, and insight as to how to pray and how to preach. To break these spells and mobilize the church, mobilize myself, right? Should not a people consult their God? He says, whoa, if you see this in your culture, he says, get into the prayer room. He says, do the Monday night thing, do the Thursday night thing. Access God. Talk to God. Get understanding. Get revelation. And he goes on. He says, to the law and to the testimony, or to the word of God, right? If they do not speak according to this word, it's because they have no light. And then he gives some of the consequences. He says, if that's ruling culture, and the truth isn't, the spirit of truth, the word of truth, if the testimony of God isn't ruling and creating direction in culture, and the, the witchcraft is, right? He says, here's what happens. The peoples pass through the land hard-pressed and famished. Famine, spiritual famine, weariness, fatigued, darkened, depressed, anxious, drowsy, you name it, all of the above. They will look to the earth and behold, there's distress and darkness, gloom and anguish. Verse 9-1, here's the the tremendous prophecy we all know so well. And I, you know, there's so many chapter divisions in the Bible, right? That's a big one right there. Because 9-1, because, uh, but there will be no more gloom. There will be no more gloom resulting from these things because I have a son <laughs> who's going to access my nature and my power and become light to the world and break Spiritual spells and bondage and slavery in the land. And he's going to raise up a new humanity who does the very same thing. Acts 13 and Acts 19 is Isaiah 9 happening in the church. What Jesus came, right? He's the firstborn among many. He's the firstborn son. Right? But we're all sons. There will be no more gloom. For those who were in anguish, there will be no more contempt. He's going to make the land glorious. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. It's Jesus (laughs) and his church. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. God will multiply the nation. He will increase their gladness, right? He will break the holds of depression, of torment, of mental illness, anxiety, confusion. He will do it. He did it. And he's done it since many times through the body of his church. They will be glad in your presence As with the gladness of harvest (laughs) look at the language here these promises that the end of the story isn't the false spirituality in the land it's not the powers of the air it's not your greatest problem it's not the end of the story the way things have been in this region for long generations past it's not the end of the story God has an answer from heaven He has an answer. It's his people. It's us accessing what's ours. Verse 4, you shall break the yoke of their burden and the staff on their shoulders. You will break the rod of the oppressor. That's profound language. He's coming in mighty and strong to do something about it. There's a greater Lord in the land. There's a greater Lord in the air. (laughs) He's Lord of Lords. He has all authority. So I just wanted to kind of convey just this picture, this snapshot. And, you know, I'm kind of all over the place, but it's okay. I don't care. My heart's rumbling in this season. I need it. I want to be awakened, alert, alert. Eager, ready to do His will. I don't want to attend and observe and that be the end of my Christianity any longer. I'm challenged unto greater obedience. I'm challenged to say yes, to pay a greater price, to see something shift in our land, right? To see people getting saved, delivered, healed, to see God raise up evangelists, even in this region, who take action and proclaim the gospel with signs and wonders, right? There were cities and villages in the first century church in biblical times, just as small as Carmel and smaller, and God was doing exploits there, sending forth disciples, learned ones, those who know truth, those who receive divine revelation, He had dishwashers beholding the Son of God at the right hand of the Father displaying signs and wonders. It's the equivalent of a McDonald's worker having miraculous power from 9 to 5. It is. Let's, Let's bring this into the modern context. It's the equivalent of me meeting with a client in Brewer, Maine and having a word of knowledge that breaks the power of torment off their life. And they come back in our next review and say, when you said that word to me, I've had no problem since. And I meet them a year later for the annual review and they say, it's gone. That's the equivalent. This is what's necessary to deal with this stuff. It's not being nice. It's not being nice. The whole world is nice. Adolf Hitler was nice. Judas Iscariot was nice. The whole world's nice and no one's changed by it. We need kindness in truth to meet together. Kindness is what I need. I need the divine attributes growing in my soul so when I'm nice to somebody, it has authority and it convicts and it brings someone to questioning me. What is going on with you? When you talk to me, I feel different. When you look at me, I felt uncomfortable and loved at the same time. What is that? Do you, listen, can I be really honest? I covet that question. I've wept for that. I'm a weak man. I am so far from where I want to be, but I'm raising my voice today, and I want to hear it. I'm raising my voice in this season. No holds barred. I'll receive correction. If, it's, if, it's of re, if I need reproof, I'll take it. But I'm just going to let out what's in my heart. And I'm hearing it. I I'm jealous for that. I you heard the stories of Smith Wigglesworth, a mortal man like you and I, filled with the Holy Spirit, right? A weak, broken man who got a hold of something through a life of relationship and prayer in God, and he received something from from above that was not of earth, and he'd step onto subway trains. And people would wail as though they were falling over the edge of eternal condemnation. And they would be saved and born again on the train. He'd step into restaurants and the same thing would happen. Can I be really transparent? I am jealous for this. I can't do it. But when I step into coals with my wife, I dream of it. And I don't talk about these things because I'm so jealous for them, it hurts. And we need it so bad it hurts. We need a move of the Holy Spirit and a move of believers. We need apostolos. We need laborers of that kind. We need laborers of the gospel era to be raised up who, whether they're working at McDonald's or the Robinson Agency, have divine revelation and power when they meet with humanity listen I can't do this you can't do it but he said he will if we ask him to and if we ask with more than words if I ask him with my feet he's gonna do it but man do we need this could you imagine going into the a grocery mart one day walking by somebody and they start weeping and your spirit knows why and you turn around and they're just weeping and the closer you step to them the more they weep and you put your hand on their back because you know what's going on by revelation and they turn their life to Jesus and six other people watch it and weep and turn their life to Jesus can we dream again can we begin to think higher listen I'm bored I need breakthrough I need more I need to see more hear more and do more I need great grace but nothing less will suffice in this hour the nations don't need us to be nice any longer and have nice programs and do nice things it doesn't work it's called pray the Lord of the harvest get into the contending strike with your prayers and strike with your walk give your life to Jesus Joseph give your life to Jesus don't withhold anything from Jesus It doesn't work. It doesn't answer your deepest prayers because, Joseph, your deepest prayers are real. It is what you want, but you don't have it yet because there's more growth. There's more yes to be had in your heart to actually see it and walk in it so that when you do, you don't turn away like the rich young ruler and you become an idolater. The Lord is sparing us. He's bringing us to maturity. He's bringing the church to maturation so he can give the greater glory. It's serious times, guys. It's not, it's not churchianity. That era is over. America has had her churchianity. But she's about to have Christianity. Christianity, where he's revealed in word and deed. Man, I, wanna, I want that. I need it, Right? let's pound the door of heaven with prayer right let's be responsive let's get uncomfortable with the way things have been and get connected to the way things are about to be because I want in on that when the Holy Spirit moves I don't want to watch clap my hands and go home and be the same man because I'll be accountable when God reveals glory that generation comes to accountability In greater proportions than prior generations Jesus held his generation in high accountability in judgment hit that generation because they didn't recognize the time of their visitation the majority clapped their hands while he was performing miracles signs and wonders and they went home the same Joseph and got up the same Joseph and he wasn't okay with it he's the Lord of glory He's the Lord and there is no other. And those with an ear to hear and eyes to see were struck with wonderment and followed Him. And that's what He's after. When He reveals His glory, am I going to follow Him? Because it's going to cost. It's going to cost the church what it cost the Messiah. Miracles, signs, and wonders aren't a movie and a light show in a good time. Miracles, signs, and wonders are a tremendous thing threat and assault against the antichrist spirit against Satan himself and if we start doing miracles signs and wonders listen it's going to create persecution it always has and it always will we start accessing something other than church entity listen get ready the fights on you gotta lose your I'm gonna have to lose my reputation God's dealing with my reputation. I'll be transparent with you right now in my life to talk like this. I've been a coward. I've been timid. I haven't preached this gospel like I feel called to out of false humility. And he's not okay with it. Because it's an hour to proclaim the gospel unashamedly. And if people don't like it, we don't be mean and say, Oh, who cares how you feel? But it's got to be okay. It's got to be a glory and an honor if I'm persecuted for Christ, verbally or physically. It's got to be a glory to me. All those who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Where's the godliness? Where's the persecution? We're going to see it. It's going to evoke a response from the pits of hell. That's when believers won't just overcome... By the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony and name it, claim it. No. The maturation has to come where with my blood I will bear witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ. Like the apostle John. Like all the apostles. They bore witness with their life. They they overcame Satan with the word of their testimony and by the blood of the lamb. But they got real. They came to maturity. They were perfected in love for God and they were ruined for anything less. They saw the price He paid and said, Me paying the same price for you is unequivalent. It can't even measure up, Jesus. You're worthy of it all. You're worthy of my blood. This gospel is worthy of my blood, worthy of my broken body. Paul says, I was beaten, imprisoned, stoned, received the 40 lashes minus one, lost at sea. And I'm still proclaiming this gospel, because I've seen something more than churchianity. He saw the kingdom. He saw the utmost priority of the church in this age. Come on, I'm preaching to me through and through. But I am provoked in this hour. I don't want to stand before God lacking, wanting in the days ahead. And I know that I will if it's not for His grace. I know that I will if it's not for revelation growing in my heart and provoking me and taking me where I can't go of myself. I need the wings of eagles to get there. I am weak. I refuse to go back, though. For over two years, I've refused to go back. Something happened. Others can attest in them, too. We, begin, we began a different labor, I felt, at least for me, a few just two and a half years ago or so. There's something that happened in this region, and there's great grace for the humble, right? If I can hear this gospel and see the, the bigger picture of what Christianity ought to look like in my life, in my day, <laughs> that's got to move me. It's got to move me. And there's no condemnation. There's no pointing of the finger. We're all standing before God today and and every day, giving account for our lives. Giving account for our lives. I don't want to stand before the Lord and suffer loss because I saved my life. If I save my life, I lose it. I'll be saved. Praise God. I'll receive my glorified body. But I'll be wanting. The Bible says some will weep tears before Jesus because of what they did with their life in this age. Listen, that hits me. No one's exempt from that. That takes an honest and upright heart, Jesus said. Right? A good and noble heart will come to fullness and maturity even in this age. That fertile soil of the heart. But anyway.
1: So on You're so on point Joe. This is so good. I'm like shaking inside. During worship, the Lord was like, I don't want nice. I want kind. And I was yeah, like, yeah. I was like, oh, I need to meditate on this. I was like, what is this? And he's like, it is my kindness that leads people to repentance. And I was just seeing witchcraft groups. He's like, listen, these groups, these, these, these covens, these groups that are called to repentance. They're called back. And it's His kindness that does that. They're the ones that are holding the opposing stronghold, right? And it is by seeing them delivered that those strongholds are broken. Right, because it is in the person, right? It is in these people that are allowing these things to reign and rule inside of them. And for so long, we've been these nice Christians that just let things happen, you know? Because we—it's a—it is a idolatrous form of kindness. It is the unrefined, redeemed form of, of of true kindness. And kindness is the very nature of God that draws people to turning away from their captors. And the Lord was like, Isaiah 61 says that there is a proclamation of the gospel that is to do a number of things, but of them is one to pronounce release of captives and freedom to prisoners. Those who are captives are those who get brought into bondage of no will of their own, of no cause of their own. And prisoners are those who have been brought into bondage because they did something. He's saying there is freedom for both. And both need it. So you're a Christian you're like, I've been held captive by spiritual things and he wants to set you free. Well, there are prisoners out there that have been bound because of their own agreements, their own crap that they're holding on to. And he's saying, it is my kindness that will cause them to turn from their captors, that will cause them to turn from the very things that are holding them captive and bringing them back in. But we are are not seeing the gospel being produced and going forth and actually producing the fruit that the Bible says it's supposed to be because we're acting nice. Because we're walking around just trying to live with this within this culture that demands niceties. And yet there's no transformation. There's no change. And we question why things aren't happening. Why revival isn't being stirred up. And you brought up Smith Wigglesworth, which the, was the example the Lord gave me. He's like, Smith Wigglesworth was not a nice person. He was an incredibly kind person. But he's like, you got cancer? Where is it? Punch it in the belly because I hate cancer. But then he'd sit there and be like, you're great, you're healed, you're awesome. He was incredibly kind. People, people in his life, Smith Wigglesworth's life, they were able to make the distinction. I'm speaking so fast. Sorry, I'm so stirred up. In Smith Wigglesworth's life, they were able to make the distinction between niceness and kindness. And Christians today have such a hard time with his testimony because they're like, he kicked kids off stages. He was like, oh, you got a a sickness? Oh, your whole body's covered in leprosy? Just boot you off. And they're like, storm the stage. This guy's mean. And then someone lifts up the kid, and his skin is totally cleared up. And it's like, he's not about being nice. It's about being kind, and kindness is rooted in the spirit because it is a byproduct of the spirit of God in us, right? It's it, it is a product of light, and therefore, when we act kind, we're not it, we have to realize that it has to be rooted in light, and that's how you'll know the distinction between niceness and kindness because kindness will not operate with darkness. Kindness will advance light forward into darkness, where niceness says, "Here's the boundary line. You live on your camp. I'll live in." my camp and we'll just coexist i'll get the little bumper sticker on my car that says you know all these things should just live together they should not live together that is totally against the order of god's purpose on the earth today he wants to redeem the fullness of humanity every nation tribe and tongue and what's incredible amongst every religion on the earth today christianity is the only one that has been able to be adopted into every single culture there is, you go to the Buddhists, no, there, it is a cultural thing. It's hard to adapt into it. Christianity has been able to because it is the truth. It is the word. And it is the design for humanity to be redeemed, to be stirred up, that God would use a family line, one that we've been grafted into, to bless all of the nations of the world, every nation. You should be a conduit, a blessing to those people. But our blessing is not niceness. it's not sitting there going, we're going to bake you cookies and say, keep doing your thing. Oh, we're just being loving Christians who are going to love you. No, that's not real love because true love is rooted in the spirit, is a byproduct of the spirit of God in you. Therefore, it is rooted in light and therefore it advances into light because darkness cannot overcome light. And this is the only way humanity is going to get to a point of not just coming into a new religion, but coming to know the fullness of what humanity has been designed to do since the days of Adam and Eve till now and till Jesus returns this is God's order this is his plan that we would find ourselves as his meeting place the divine meeting place between humanity between God and earth would be within us we would be his priesthood who would walk this out not walking out being nice walking out being kind and there is a hard thing because I was sitting there going ah there's so many blurred lines between this what is it and he goes one advances and one separates. One just says, oh, here's the line. You stay on yours, I'll stay on mine. And that is not what they need. We have to look and say, yes, I've been a prisoner, I've been captive. In Isaiah 61, we are to take the gospel, the good, 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 good news, and allow people Those prisoners who are giving authority to the spiritual powers that are trying to establish strongholds against us. We have to find ways and and speech this good news and say, there's freedom for you. And this is the declaration for you is that you no longer have to be a prisoner or captive. Oh, you didn't do anything to call this upon your life. Yeah, you're a captor oh you lived in all this, this sin and turmoil yeah you're a prisoner but guess what there's freedom for both it's not oh well you got to pay back on this side and these people get in, you know get grace and these people have to no both sides get the fullness of the gospel to deliver them from it and it is kindness and the lord's kindness that will lead them into turning away from their captors you say oh turning you know to repent what is repenting it's turning back to the Lord. He's the one who should be captivating us. He should be our captor. He should be the one who holds us. And it is repentance that turns us from one captor and brings us into a captivation, a captivation of the God who created all of humanity and fills us with his spirit so we can be the the meeting place between the divine and the human and I see the blessing of God pronounced to all the nations because it is through the Abrahamic covenant that God said, through you, Every nation will be blessed. You are grafted into that blessing. You are grafted into that covenant. And it is only by his kindness that we'll see that fulfilled.
0: Come on. Come on. I got to just, we have a little more time here. Are we Okay. I want to I wanna just continue on this because a few years ago as well, just before the Lord in prayer, and the Holy Spirit encountered me in my private prayer room. for the LGBTQ community he encountered me for them and I was groaning and weeping for this community weeping for them and I was weeping for two reasons I was weeping one because I felt the mercy of God for them and I was weeping two because of the pain and frustration of trying to even begin to know what to do About this dilemma we see in our time. How do you even address? We are so weak in the church. We don't know how to. We failed so many times to appeal to that community. We're learning, right? I was weeping because of both. And I felt the Holy Spirit whisper this to me. He says, Joseph, they have exchanged LGBT for L-O-V-E. And I wept. And he spoke Romans 2.1. Why do you judge, oh man, for it is the kindness of God that leads to repentance. And all I know is about three years ago, I'm weeping because the real answer for that community is L-O-V-E. And they've exchanged it for LGBT. They've misunderstood love, and it's the church's duty John 17, they will know you are Christians by your love. That love will draw men in a way that sometimes my preaching won't. It's the expression of divine nature, what he's appealing to us for today. Something about, and and this is all in Romans 1. In Romans 1, we see mankind at his worst. We see the answer isn't judgment, it's kindness that will lead him to repentance. It's not the Pharisee and the preachers of the law. He says, why do you judge, old man? He said, it doesn't work. It's not religion. It's kindness. It's divine nature and eternal power. My attributes shining on the LGBT community. In the provoking to jealousy, as the church will provoke Israel to jealousy. Listen, the instrument of God in this age is the church. And through the church, he will deal with the powers of the air and lost mankind on the earth he'll deal with both arenas through a church that's matured and displaying image and likeness attributes eternal power divine nature he says in Romans 1 at the end of it this is what they've turned from he says even though they know within themselves that there is a God and if they don't know it's because they don't know they don't know but deep in their conscience when this kindness gets manifested to humanity, it's going to draw them like nothing else can because it's what they're reaching for in LGBT is L-O-V-E. It's the end of the story. They just haven't found it yet. They're lost. They're confused. That's why it's called sexual confusion. And it's heartbreaking that when you talk this way, it's taken as condemnation when we're weeping tears in the presence of God and revelation coming for the community to save them it's perfect love perfect love speaks truth love is not at the expense of truth and truth isn't loveless they're married its righteousness and peace have met together kindness and truth have kissed one another that's the word of the Lord today I woke up with that passage in my belly and said oh my god there's something about the church and maturing into this reality where we manifest his attributes, because for all of his attributes, due to Satan's deception of mankind, from the Garden of Eden onward, there have been counterfeits. For kindness there's niceness. For truth there's condemnation, harshness. For authority there's anger, there's all, all these counterfeits. and the church has what we've walked in them. and I want to shed. These counterfeits. So that what's in the earth and vessel, 2 Corinthians 5, will not be of me. And that the exceeding greatness of the power in my body will be of God and not of myself. Come on. We've shrouded the gospel, guys. I have. It's time to rend the veil. To shed off the earthly and the soulish. And step into the courage of manifesting divine nature. That actually will provoke and move people to, to jealousy, to salvation. But what he's not a liar. He's confirming a word. God is speaking to us today. I woke up with that passage in my belly. And worship's going on and the Holy Spirit's speaking similar verbatim language to this man. And I want to hear this. I'm hearing this today. You got guys- <laughs> Yeah, it's a long service, but he's pleading with us. He's pleading with us. There's something on today. There's something on today. You know, a new and living way today. Something new. A living way that manifests something, not of earth. Right? Man, I don't know what to do.
1: say, like, so years ago, I went to the, the encounter, the first one they actually ever did, and I went through the process, had a, a profound moment with the Lord, and came back, and, and was like, while I was there, I went up, I went up, I was probably... 14 at the time, and I, I went up uh, to prepare. I'd been struggling with sexual confusion. That was a big time, and I, my entire life was like, I don't know. Like, this is so frustrating, because I know it's wrong. I don't know how to live this way, and yet it feels so intrinsic to who I am. I don't know how to separate this, and I actually went in front of the whole church and was like, I'm free from this, and what was crazy is I in, entered into a, a season of A different kind of confusion. (laughs) Like, I don't know, because I wasn't feeling drawn in any way. It was was a lack of. And and as I progressed further, things began to build back up because I didn't even know how to build truth into it. And my progression would be, I would come and confess, and I'd say, this is something I'm dealing with. There'd be whole seasons where it'd be nothing, and then times would be like, this is stirring up in me. I feel alone. I want somebody. Like, I just need something. It manifested in my friendships where I just needed too much. I I was like, I don't want it to be sexual, but I want it to be, like, super codependent. (laughs) Like, I want to be super close with somebody. And... What uh, throughout my experience in church leadership and serving the Lord, it never was the niceness of people that ever convicted me. In fact, I, uh, it was never that, and it was never the judgments of people, because I'd hear that and go, "I can't tell anyone. I can't share any of my struggle." And I'm now growing as a church leader. Like, shoot. Like, I hope that this is going to be dealt with at some point. <laughs> like, because I'm wrestling and I'm wrestling and I'm wrestling and I'm wrestling and I don't know how to deal with this. And it was through walking through kindness. It was through love. It was through this, the, the, really, the nature of God that drew me into a place not of saying, okay, now now I'm, I just have nothing. It's like, no, now I just submitted. Now I'm just in the Lord. Now it d- doesn't even matter. It's not even there. I was I was sitting at um, I, I just uh, the the table. At, at my sister Kendall's house was uh, just asking the Lord for wisdom on some business stuff, and while I was in it, He's like, "There's something deceptive in you." And I was like, okay, let's deal with it. Like, (laughs) come on. We know deliverance. We know freedom. This is not me. It's something else. I don't care. Like, you know, and I I would close my eyes, and there's this green cartoon snake that was just kind of going around. And I was like, I dealt with Python. Like, I don't know what this is. You know, and and it was like, it's the deceiver. And I was like, whoa, what in the world? What is this? And it's like, it's been telling you every season. He said, you will wrestle with yourself so long. Well, you'll wrestle with something thinking it's yourself so long over and over and you'll have tremendous victory over and over and over again being a good Christian you know like oh I don't sin I didn't sin I didn't sin I, I I resisted that temptation I resisted this and but then you get to a point where all of a sudden you're worn out you've used all of your uh all of your energy to fight your what you think is yourself and then you fail and then you get on the ground, and you're like, I failed. This is awful. And I got an encounter with the Lord. And, okay, I'm restored. And then you fight yourself again. And there's the recognition, hey, this thing is just holding you captive. And in, in, the, uh, in that time, I sat down, and I was like, okay, Lord, let's just work through this. I don't even know what this is. Let's work through this. And he, and as I was walking through this deliverance, I was like, okay, I'm just going to do it. Listen, deceiver, you're not me. I don't like you. I don't want you. Like, you know, whatever. Uh, I am a child of God. I'm just declaring what I am not and what I am because so often the enemy makes me think I am what I am not. And if he does that, I will expend all of my energy fighting me, which I cannot defeat. Because it's me, right? And so once I was able to make the distinction, which came, which I, I was expecting him to deal at so many points in my life, and and it's like God, why, why am I here? Why am I stuck in this position where these things stir up and come back up and whatever? And it was just like, what did I do? What's going on? He's like, God, you're just, you're just captive. You didn't do anything. You're just captive. You've just were held captive. But there's freedom for captives. There's a release for captives. And where does that come from? And it, and it was not by any judgmental voice. It was not, actually, as I was doing the deliverance on myself, I'm sitting there. This is just the kindness of the Lord. I'm sitting there, and I'm, like, walking through it, and the Lord's like, oh, by the way, you've got food on the stove. I'm like, oh, yeah. Like, should I complete the steps, or should I go? He's like, go take care of it. It's fine. We're going to deal with this. I'm like, okay. I'm like, go over, deal with it, come right back. The Lord shows me more. And I feel this thing totally lift off me. And I'm like, whoa, what in the world? And again, it's not like I didn't have a spiritual high. I didn't have some, like, big revelation. I just felt normal. <laughs> I felt like a human, like a real human, rest, like true Sabbath. It's was like, oh, there's no conflict in my mind anymore around this. There's no pull. There's no influence. But it came, and what I found is I was – in, in so many of the process of trying to work this out, it's always been I was judging myself and using judgment on myself because of how I'd hear the world speak that I would actually keep bringing myself into captivity. Yeah. And it was actually in a deliverance where the Lord was like, hey, just being totally like kind. Like, hey, oh, don't forget about your food. <laughs> like, just, oh, no, we're dealing with this. I'm super powerful, Hudson. <laughs> like, I am very, very, very powerful. Like, we, it's okay. We got time. Don't worry. We'll work this out. Go, go get your pot stickers, <laughs> you know, on the stove and coming. And, and that whole thing, it was like, oh, he's not an angry God at trying to just burn me. Yeah. He's an incredibly kind God who's like, you got this. We're taking care of it. Just recognize what's not you and what's me and who you are. And when you receive that love from him, and that was, it, it was so funny because in that, that silly little go get your food moment, it was such a high expression of his <laughs> love and concern for, m- for me, which was so odd because normally I'd expect it to be something else. But it was just like, a, no, you can take care of what's going on. Life happens. Life is going on. But and we don't have to, you know, we, we, this is uh, our whole life. We're just going to live in this place of finding freedom and deliverance and, and, and walking in the greater things. I just want to testify to that on top of all these things, because what I found is that in that moment, I came and sat down and I just laughed. I was like so joyful because I was like, oh, he loves me so much to make sure my dinner isn't ruined. And he's so kind to be like, no, we'll take care of it. You don't need to worry about this. Go do it and we're gonna come back. And it was that that broke it. It was that word, go eat. You know, like go eat, it's fine. We're gonna take care of this. Oh, we don't have to tackle. like we don't have to. He's like, no, we're going to. (laughs) Like that is part, that is what we're doing right now but know that I'm totally loving. Know that I'm kind. We're not going to be nice towards this thing, but I'm kind to you. We're not going to be kind to that thing, but we're going to be kind to you. And that was what really allowed this deliverance to have its full effect was the love and the kindness of the Lord. In my entire life, I would hear so many things. I knew truth. I knew I had good understanding. I had, you know, I would have powerful encounters with the Lord where I'd be laid on the ground for weeks, like, you know, for a week. I'm like, oh, this is so good. And, he's, and that didn't deal with it. It wasn't just a powerful encounter, it was experiencing his love in something so p- small, something so minuscule. But he knew I love food. <laughs> and, and, he, and he knew I was hungry. And he knew I'm sitting there and I'm like, I need wisdom. And he's like, We're just gonna get rid of this thing. And guess what? You're gonna just have wisdom because wisdom's already in you. You got the fullness of the spirit, the spirit of wisdom, spirit of knowledge, spirit of understanding. It's there. Anyways, the deliverance and these things are there for people, and it comes from his love and from his kindness and not saying, oh, yeah, go do your thing and just continue on with life. No, go take care of it and we'll come back. We're going to deal with this. We're going to deal with it because we're going to be harsh towards these things that have held you captive. And that's what we look when we look at these communities, these witchcraft communities, LGBTQ communities. We're going, I hate the thing that's holding you captive, the thing that's causing confusion, the things. And, you know, it's going to be this love that's going to clear that up. It's going to bring you to realize that he's just so for you. He's just so, so, so for you. He's just willing to walk with you for it. And I used to, I was like almost in the moment wanting to despise God that it took so many years to find a deliverance. And yet it was like, oh, but it was that easy. That was awesome. I'm not angry. That was awesome. Thank you for for knowing the day of my deliverance. You're so good, Lord. It is truly his love and his kindness. And I experienced it in something so small like that. The Lord can take the smallest thing and put his power on it. And it just explodes like dynamite, you know. It's the tiniest little profound thing that just hits you in a new way. And so we look for those things as we're going and preaching the gospel. Because if it doesn't sound like good news, it's probably not. Judgment is not going to sound like good news unless it's judgment against the captives, you know. I used to sit there and be like, I just feel like I'm the one being judged. And he's like, you're not. I'm judging the thing that's holding you captive. You're just gold because you received me. My refining fire is just going (laughs) to destroy the thing that's not you and and make you more of who you should be and that's when we look to those communities and when we engage with them that's what we're experiencing it's like oh you got captives (laughs) but my god is so much bigger than that (laughs) and therefore i get to love you therefore i get to be kind in this whole process because i know how much how how capable he is in these things
2: Uh, So, I mean, what both of you just brought today uh, is definitely things that I have been stirring in me. Joe, the jealousy for wanting to be able to just bring the spirit to those that need it so desperately and having that authority and power. I mean, just like you said, jealous for it. And I was sitting here, and I'm like, you know, I have this thing where I always want to, like, um, want to tackle uh, all of the problems all at once mentally, like, you know, like, um, I just want to get to the end goal. And a lot of times I'll have to remember, okay, it always starts with, like, a baby step. You, you can't, you know, we can't go into Aetna where they're practicing witchcraft with the super soaker and just start hitting them all with the spirit, like, we're all, you know, like, because it's just we're not we're not mature enough yet to do that right and what's been stirring in me sitting here while you both of you were speaking about this is this week God is saying to everyone in this room take a baby step out of context this is uh, he gave me very specific directions and when you're in a situation like in an out of context situation somewhere that you would really never bring up the gospel or Christ you're at the supermarket think about what I'm saying right now Um, mention his name to someone there's gonna be someone who comes across you this week that needs to hear the word of Christ whether it be a a back pain or whether it be some sort of sin they're going through Um, either pray for that person or even tell them that you will pray for them and that's a baby step and it's achievable. And it's like you said, like, um, the he doesn't put more on your plate than you can handle. That's, that's something that I've definitely have had to, like, let soak into me. And, um, like, that's baby food to me. And sometimes we need to take the baby food before we can go out and we can, you know, devour the... Um, everything else so yeah I don't know I I had to get that off my chest it was kind of stirring in me and I was like oh man now when I get the butterflies that's when I know like all right I got to say something I can't just sit here and not say it so yeah 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 and that's really what it is I mean there's two words that um especially when I got first saved that like I felt like got imprinted on me on how to grow and the two words were prayer and action and that's what God has told me he always wants from me he doesn't just want me to pray to him yes of course he does want my prayer but he needs to see action as well and that's not works that's not me just doing works because you know like whatever I need to show face or whatever but we need to take steps as well like physically my body needs to go do things sometimes. So yeah, I just want to add that.
3: Amen. Um, So good. There's so much to chew on from what all happened from 1045 till right now. Uh, So much. So thankfully it's recorded. It's on the live stream. And I just, yeah, mm-hmm. just want to encourage everyone to take time to even chew on some of the stuff. If you don't remember everything, even from the message, go to the podcast, listen again, take notes. I mean, there's so much to extract and apply and, and really wanting to receive the weight of this word and, and what the Holy Spirit is clearly speaking, clearly with emphasis and confirmation right. through multiple right. people that should not be taken lightly right. at all. We want to hear that and rehear it and rehear it. So um I just want to encourage everyone to do that. I noticed as I went out they already unloaded the first Incredible. set of and they brought two pallets with them. So they're going back to pick up the last two more. That's a huge blessing. We, I mean, uh, w- everyone just love on Jeremy and his two boys that are doing that. But anyone that can stay, I am gonna order a bunch of pizza and we'll hang out here till they get back so we can do the next one. <laughs> um, but that's uh, what a blessing. What a b- I just looked out and I'm like, the truck is like almost empty and they're just throwing the stuff out. So amazing. So Father, we just, whew, <laughs> Father, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful for what you're doing here, and what you're doing in us, what you're doing in my life, what you're doing in our lives, and our community. And we know, God, that you're releasing these words because you're going to do it. Uh, And it's our longing, we yearn for it, Father, with you and we know that it's just here that you're releasing it because now is the time and i thank you for every part of this family every person every piece every member that has just added to the flame today god you're so good thank you thank you for every person every person in this house in this family that's just blown on the flame with you and added to the fire just see it like kinlin we're just throwing wood onto the fire together